Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with saxophonist, composer, and band leader, the great Steve Coleman. This prolific music force talked about the release of his 2018 CD, Live at the Village Vanguard, Volume 1, The Embedded Sets. And it's a series of recordings, and it's yet another part of a creative period in Steve's existence. He grew up in the south side of Chicago and knew cats like Von Freeman that urged him forward. He has always had a love of Charlie Parker and making music that has pushed the envelope forward. He talked about a great life in music and so much more. So please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. All right, thanks again, man. And and I'm going to hop right in here and ask about Live at the Village Vanguard. Talk to me about this project. How do you feel about this project? We started... Playing at the Village Vanguard, I think in around, I think 2015, we started playing there. We played there every year, and I had it in my mind that I wanted to record there and do a series of recordings. Um, that's what this is. This is the first part of a series of recordings. We've already recorded twice there. I just want to let you know that the, the recording that's being released is our first release, which was recorded in May of 2017. But we've already completed a recording in May of 2018 also, which is vo- Volume 2. That's why it's listed as Volume 1, Volume 2. I actually plan on doing as many volumes as they let me do <laughs> because I want to <laughs> document this period because it's a really creative period in my life. And there's a lot going on, you know, a lot of ups and downs, all kinds of things, but there's a lot going on. And so um, it's reflected in my music. It's very changeable. You know, the music is just a reflection of of what you experience anyway. I wanted to document this period because it's, a, a, it's leading to a lot of musical discoveries and different, and different ways of expressing myself. Well, that's the hallmark of your career. You're always making discoveries, and, and you're such a prolific creator. Does it ever get old, or do you, does it ever does the mystique ever go away of playing at a place like the Village Vanguard for you? No, it doesn't matter to me where we play. I mean, obviously, the Vanguard is a is a hollow, you know, place. It's been around since 1934. A lot of really great, a lot of the greats have played there. Those same greats have played in other places too. They haven't just played there, you know. So it's not, it's not like the club itself is going to make you play better or anything like this. I mean, you, you still have to bring it no matter where you play. And um, so I'm not um, under any, any illusion that the, the club itself will make the music great no matter who's playing there. I mean, we have to take care of, of, of what we're doing ourselves. And so um, it's significant that we're playing there, sure, um, because I was told a long time ago that I would never play there if I didn't change my band and change my style, you know. And so, you know, I just stuck with it. Well, I mean, as a result, we've been we've been playing there for the last couple of years, and it's been going good. We've gotten good crowds, good audiences, good response, and everything. Everybody enjoys it, you know. But I mean, I enjoy playing everywhere. I just want to make that clear. It's not it's not just in New York or just at the Village Vanguard or something like this. I mean, I I enjoy wherever we play, and no, it does not get old playing. Period. So your connection to Kansas City, loving Charlie Parker, is very clear. You grew up on the South Side of Chicago. Talk to me about this love of Bird. When did you hear him first, and what was it about him that was so alluring to you? Well, my father was into him, so I heard him around the house first. And my father um, was born in 1928, and he used to see Bird live a lot, many, many times. Not just a few times, but many times. He saw him live. He followed him around and everything. Whenever he came through Chicago, he saw him play. And Bird came through Chicago a lot. You know, and I first heard him from records of my father. My father had these old 78 records, and he would play Charlie Parker all the time. I didn't know who he was when I was little. It, it was just old people's music at the time, you know. But um, but later on, you know, I found out who he was. I started playing saxophone, not because of Charlie Parker, but just because of, you know, circumstances. I started playing saxophone in high school. 
my father, once he realized I was serious about the saxophone, he started trying to nudge me in the, in the direction of Charlie Parker gently because he knew I was hard-headed and he wasn't going to tell me anything. But, you know, he would just start slipping little Charlie Parker records in my collection and stuff like that. And that's that's how I got, finally got into him was he slipped something in my collection that I, I learned, I saw later, you know, later on. And then I started um, listening to the music and studying it and everything. So that's the that's the that's the main way I got started. But then when I started, I found out that there was a vibrant scene in Chicago, you know, a live scene with a lot of musicians playing, many of whom had played with Charlie Parker and were in that same age group. Um, the most important for me being the saxophone player named Bon Freeman, who had played with Charlie Parker a lot of times and and who knew him and knew Coleman Hawkins and Ben Webster and all these people. And so um, I got firsthand experience from hanging around him. You know, he was good friends with Gene Adams also. And so th- that that live experience was actually more important than the experience of listening to it on record. So speaking of Bond, you know, I go back to some of these big names that have been around you in your life that have, that have taught you, like Sonny Stead and Bunky Green. What have they given you that's made you a good mentor to younger players to play with you? Well, experience. I mean, everybody who I played with, Thad Jones, Abby Lincoln, um, Nancy Wilson, Sarah Vaughn, Ray Brown, you know, all, all these people, Art Blakey, I mean, whoever I've, I've shared the stage with, you know, Freddie Hubbard, Joe Henderson, Woody Shaw, they've all given me experience, you know, in one way or another. Um, Sam Rivers, Tisa Taylor, Dave Holland, I mean, I can go on and on and name different, you know, name the various names of the elders who I've performed with and played with or shared the stage with at one point or another. And this includes Bond Freeman and Bunky Green and others in Chicago who weren't you know, or in New York, who are not so well known, people like Tommy um, Turrentine, the brother of Stanley Turrentine, and many of these people gave me a lot of experience also. And so I passed all of that down to um, younger musicians. I mean, it was passed to me by them, and whatever I've learned, you know, I passed on to to other people who are too young to have known those people while they were alive. You know, so I mean, um, the stories of me following Sonny Spit around and everything in Chicago, I passed on many, many. Many times, and sometimes if people were old enough, they got to still meet these people when they were alive. You know, because Von Freeman, who died in 2012, I introduced everybody I could to him while he was still here. You know, those who were um, old enough to, you know, to, to see that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's it's just experience. I mean, I can't even tell you musically. I can't even begin to tell you because it's like. It's like asking somebody, well, how did you learn English and who gave you the experience you needed to speak English? I mean, you can't, you can't really answer that in a simple question, you know. And music yeah. is as, as broad as that. It's like a language, you know, and it's, it's that broad. It's, but it's every element, you know, form, harmony, melody, feel, rhythm, it's, it's composition, it's, you know, playing, technique. It's every, every single area I've learned, I've learned something from all those people, you know. But my main mentors in the, early on were Von Freeman, Thad Jones, and Sam Rivers. Those were the, the the big three, and they were all born in 1923, which was just three years younger than Charlie Parker. Um, by the way, I played in Kansas City once. I played at this, I can't remember the name of the place, museum or something like this. Yeah, the, the, probably at the Blue Room at the American Jazz Museum. Yeah, yeah, that's where it was, yeah. How was that experience? It was great. It was great. It was great, you know, nice local audience, strong, strong audience and everything. I think some people were a bit taken aback by our music because, you know, it's, um, you know, progressive, you know, I mean, like most music out of, a lot of music out of New York, it's not most, but a lot, you know, so, um, but, you know, we do what we do, and, and um, you know, we played a lot of places in the Midwest, and 
But that was only one, only one time that I played in Kansas City. Well, speaking of progressive music, you know, you were at the forefront of jazz of really pushing the medium in new realms. I mean, I know this is like you saying learning English. How do you go back to the origins of that? But I'm, I, I'm wondering, how did you evolve to this point? You're always in projects. You're always cutting edge. There's always an avant kind of bone in you. How did you get to this point where you brought so many elements into your jazz to make it so unique? Well, all of these people who influenced me, who I named, they were um, contributors to this music. I won't even call them innovators because that's, that's not a word I use so much. But they were contributors. They, they were people who contributed something unique to the music. I mean, um, Duke Ellington contributed something unique. Um, Pops, Louis Armstrong contributed something unique. Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk, Bud Powell, those guys, Coltrane, McCoy Tyner, you know, all these people, Sonny Rollins, they contributed something unique, and that's always why I was attracted to them. I was never attracted to people who emulate or imitate. I was always attracted to those who were um, at the forefront. I mean, I won't call it avant-garde, but, you know, just just, just um, the pioneers in whatever they were doing. And and that's not just in music. That's in sciences and writing and everything. You know, I'm always attracted to the pioneers. So that was in my basic character. Um, and so I see Charlie Parker as a pioneering figure. I don't see him as a... Like today, they might see him as a tradition, but, you know, that's because it happened 60, 70 years ago. But for me, you know, what he did was, at the time, was pioneering, you know, and um, it was underground music at the time. It wasn't popular music at, at, the, at the time that they were doing it, and pioneering music is usually underground. So I, I've always had that mindset right from the beginning. It doesn't matter whether whoever it is, Charlie Parker, Woody Shaw, you know, um, I've always um, seen the music like that. And another very key element, I think, probably with you and your growth has been traveling around the world. You know, you travel extensively to India, Indonesia, Cuba, Brazil, all over the place. What what has seeing different cultures done for you in the way not only that you play your music, but how you view and live in this world? Well, it broadens you. I mean, I mean, this is true of anybody, whether you're a musician or not, you know. I've noticed that when I hang around people who live in the United States or who live in one area of the United States and they don't travel, they have a very narrow viewpoint of the world and a very narrow viewpoint of even themselves and life in general. You know, it's, it's um, very constricted. And um, traveling around and getting different viewpoints and seeing things from different perspectives, even seeing your own country from a different perspective, it broadens you, you know. So, I mean, that's um, this is a big planet. And there are a lot of things on this planet. There are a lot of interesting things. There are a lot of interesting people. There are a lot of different opinions and point of views and perspectives, philosophies, all of that, you know. And you get exposed to that. It broadens you. I mean, that broadening actually started when I left Chicago and came to New York. That was the first stage of me um, being broadened. And um, when I went back to Chicago, people who had stayed there noticed that I had changed. You know, well, that, that change was a direct result of being exposed to a broader palette of colors, you could say you know, information and things like that. Well, when you travel the world, you, you do that you, you do that more. You know, when you go to the um, continents of Eurasia, the continents of Africa, um, South America, these different places, the Caribbean, you know, it just broadens your perspective. And so um, the music is really just a reflection of what we live. I mean, and people have been saying this for a long time, culture and all those guys, and it's true. It's just a reflection of who we are what we've seen, what we experience, you know, everything we've seen and think and everything. It's just a reflection of that in sonic symbols, you could say. And so um, I know a lot of people think of it as entertainment, 
but that's not how I think of it. It can be entertaining, but I don't think of it as purely entertainment. There is music that is thought of as purely entertainment, more popular music and things like that, but that's not what I do. Um, I view what I do more like a, a storyteller, you know, Rio or something like this, you know, I mean, using music to tell stories. So up to this point in your career, you've been so prolific in so many different areas of, of not only music, but the creative realms. I mean, even computer uh, software development. Are you happy with your career? Are you happy with where you're at right now? Happy is not the word. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm content as long as I stay on the path of, of creativity and the path of learning. That's what I, that's what I would say. I mean, it's not about, I mean, every moment I'm not laughing and happy and all this kind of stuff. No, you know, sometimes I'm sad, sometimes I'm melancholy, you know, just like anybody else, you know. But I'm content as long as I stay on this creative path, you know. Sometimes it's slower, sometimes it's faster, sometimes you have more trouble, sometimes you don't. But I just try to stay focused on staying on the path. And, um, and that makes me, and it's not, it's more than contentment. I feel like I'm doing what I was put here to do. Right on. Why do you love jazz? I don't. I mean, I don't know if you've researched me a lot, but I don't use the word jazz a lot. <laughs> you know? Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't think about jazz. I love music. You know. I mean, and um, whether somebody calls it jazz or not, I could care less. To, to tell you the truth, but I mean, um, but I, I love music and I love uh, spontaneous compositions, and that's what I say. I don't. I don't go out and say now I'm going to play jazz. You know, or tell the people in my band, fellas, let's play some jazz. We don't we don't do that. We just we just play music and we don't think of it as as jazz or any title or anything like that. We leave that for, you know, critics and writers and people like that. We just play music and I have a broad now I'm I'm aware that there are people who do think of the music like that. For example, Wynton Marcellus and people like that. More power to them, you know, because we have different points of view. That's what makes things interesting in life, you know. But I don't subscribe to that. You know, my my point of view is that I know that I'm. I come from a tradition, you know that 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 is um, the people I named: um, Armstrong, Parker, Coltrane, Duke Ellington. I, I know that you know that that's a big tradition that I come out of and everything. But I don't think of that tradition as jazz. I just want to make that clear. I, I just think of it as the music of Duke Ellington, the music of Charlie Parker, the music of Thelonious Monk, the music of James Brown, the music of Jimi Hendrix. You know, I just think of it like that: the music of Stevie Wonder. And I'm not really saying, well, this is jazz or this isn't or anything like that, because all of that music has touched me, everybody I just named, you know, right. in, in one way or the other, and I've learned from all of them. And I, and I don't say, wait a minute, I can't learn from you because you're not playing jazz. No, I don't do that. So speaking of learning from people, you've had a, a plenty of mentors, but another way of learning is seeing live shows. What live shows, especially early on in your life, did you see that really left an impact on you? Well, just the local things around Chicago, if you say earlier on. I wasn't traveling, so I was restricted to whoever came through town. But there was a place called the Jazz Showcase in Chicago, and a lot of bands came through there. And when I could get in, because I didn't have much money, you know, so when I could get in there, I would see, you know, Max Roach, Art Blakey, people like that. That was This is the first place I saw um, guys of that stature play. Um, Bad Jones, Mel Lewis, for example, and um, Joe Henderson, all these people. And it's the first time I got to talk with people. Um, international musicians of that stature, let's put it that way. Um, there were quite a few great musicians in Chicago, and people like Sonny Stitt, they would venture further out and play on the south side more, and so I would get to interact with them more. But um, these these musicians, um, 
all all of their shows had a, a great impact on me because I saw the level that I was reaching for. You know, when I would go see the Max Rose Group or something like this, I saw a certain level of mastery and musicianship, and I said, okay, this is what you know, this is the level that I have to go for because I'm not on this level. And so that was a um, you know, that was an eye opener. When I saw Freddie Hubbard come to uh, Woody Shaw or Joe Henderson, you know, that was the that was a very very high level, and I knew that okay, this is where this is where the bar is set. You know, now you have to shoot for for here. And then you know, going to New York, that just it was more sustaining because all of them live there. So let me ask you this: Everyone has a perception of you, your your family, your friends, your fans. They all have this version of who they think you are, but you know you. Who do you think you are? A student of music. That's it. That's. It. I mean, I just, I just keep studying, and I'm going to keep. You know, I'll, I'll be 62 this year, and I still think of myself as a student. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure things out, and I'm just trying to move forward. Obstacles get in the way, and you try to remove the obstacles and just keep moving forward. That's, that's it. It's very simple to me. It's not all the accolades that you get, or whether you want to that award or something like that. Those things don't produce any music. You know, I mean, they may change the perception. They may get you some work. They may get your band some work and everything. But they don't create any music. They don't compose. They don't do anything. So I have to keep learning and and keep moving. And in, in that sense, I'm inspired by people like Sonny Rollins, who's much older than me right now, not even playing anymore. And he told me recently that he's still learning and he's still trying to improve and everything. You know, so that, that's my inspiration. Beautiful. Steve, thank you for the music. Thank you for your enormous contribution to music. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. It's been an honor. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Chicago, New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Steve for his cool, his music, and his time. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.